Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the virtual plant clinic. Um, today, Dr. Lester is not able to be here. So I am filling in for him once again. And I thought it was so much fun the last time that I hosted and I came down to the actual physical plant clinic here in uh, Hernando County and crashed Bernie's time while he sits here uh, volunteering this morning. Well, you sit here, you pretty much here all day on Thursdays, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm here till three o'clock. Wow. And he does get lots of visitors. So for the next hour, they're unfortunately going to be like a shout out or something, unless Teresa screens them and finds they're so interesting. And if they want to come and uh, be online with us, um, I am Lily Browning. I'm the regular co-host here. I am the Florida Friendly Landscaping Program Coordinator. Dr. Lester doesn't always get that right, but, you know, it's close enough. He does a pretty good job. I work with Hernando County Utilities. I work with the Water Department, even though I partner all the time here with the County Extension Office. They don't pay me anything. So the Water Department um, pays me and I actually have probably one of the best jobs in the county. Certainly one of the most fun. And I used to work here at Extension. And when I did, I had a uh, like a clerical position here. And that is when I met Mr. Bernie Bathauer over here. And we actually took Master Gardener training at the same time. That was in 2005. And then he would hang out um, every Thursday. He's been doing this for years and years and years. Good morning, buddy. Um, and we, we learned a lot together. We really did. Um, people would call in or come by with questions that might stump both of us. And instead of doing my work, I usually ended up helping Bernie try to figure out the situation. And uh, that's how you, uh, you know, end up in a position like mine, I guess. Dr. Lester is uh, sneaking in as an audience member this morning. Good morning, Bernie. Um, Bernie, yeah, he says, go Bernie. Good morning, Bill. Um, not sure if I can let you in. Do you want to be let in, Bill? Um, just let me know and we can figure that out together. So we have long-term master gardener Bernie here, and you've already had some people come by this morning. So let's... Well, it's, it's been a very uh, interesting morning. I've got a lot of phone calls to, to take care of, but yeah. You got to show that where they can see it. Had a uh, question on holly plant, and uh, the, the plant's a little sparse, and the, the biggest reason is it's, it's been growing uh, in semi-shade, and it would be a little happier if it was getting more sunlight. But hollies will tend to, to grow uh, in, in low light conditions and, and be a fairly decent plant. They just, they're a little leggy when they do that. This particular plant has uh, some fungal problems. Yeah, and seeing uh, what we have yeah. here. See all those little, little and how spots. can we tell that's a fungus and not a bacteria? Got some good pictures here. Well, one of, one of the nice things about that is that the uh, spots cross the main rib. Bacterial spots don't tend to. Oh, interesting. Uh, I didn't um, realize that. Yeah. Cross veins and and they tend to uh, be wet. And uh, in this situation, it's all dry. And, and it goes to both uh, sides. And it goes anywhere. It, 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 
doesn't have to uh, stay in just a certain amount of cells. So and they're around, right? Yes, that's that helps. It usually bacteria is going to be like a you know non-shaped, just like a blob or something, maybe more angular. And uh, do those yellow halos mean anything? Well, these are all identifications, and it depends on the uh, uh, fungus. If, if you take this and put it under a microscope, you find that there are some spores basically all over that leaf that have not penetrated. I, I looked at it earlier to, to see what the extent of the damage is. Uh, this is probably excusable at this point. The uh, uh, majority of the plant doesn't have a problem. And the leaves that do, with the exception of this one little group here, which are obviously gone, uh, are not really all that bad. I, I wouldn't recommend uh, doing anything. They, they could use some Bacchanal or, or some. That would be the that, best solution. That, just clean that. that Cut up. it off. But, uh, or, or Dacanil, you said? Yeah, Dacanil is, is a wonderful product. It, the, the nice thing about Dacanel is it's a general purpose uh, fungicide. You can use it on uh, pretty much all your ornamentals. You can also use it on things that are food plants, and it, it has a uh, low latency period before you can uh, eat the food. So it, it's not one of those dangerous chemicals that you need uh, being a full rubber suit and a respirator. Yeah. Uh, it, it's available uh, very easy. And it's it's pretty effective. It's 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 one of the good things to have in your uh, bag of tricks. And if, if you do have uh, fungal problems, that'll usually take care of them. Just about anything. You know how you spell on. that? D a c o n i l. O n i l. And that, is that the name of the? So it looks like I'm real, but I'm not. Um, that's is that a brand name or is that the name of the product? That's. That is the name of the product. Of the fungicide. Uh, so the you fungicide. might find it. So you're going to look for that in the ingredients, basically. You know, I'm, I'm not positive oh, on that. Okay. That's one of those things that uh, I've recommended Dacanel for 15 years. And uh, you go to the store and you say, I want Dacanel. It's probably the, the number one selling product. I don't know. Uh, yeah, uh, but that, that is that's a fungicide. Not the, that's not the actual chemical. Oh, okay. Uh, but but, it, but, but that's the name for that particular <laughs> chemical. It's like 2,4-D. 2,4-D right. is not the name of the chemical. That, that it, might be the, the formulation. 2,4-D is, is a, a oh, yeah. word that long. Yeah. And, and So that's the... Yeah, the, the she's nickname for yeah. it, basically. Um, good morning, everybody. Uh, Bill does not want to join us. He wants to prune his palms. So so now everyone knows what he's doing today. Uh, you know, I could have, you know, I could have uh, covered for you saying you were in an extremely important meeting, but, you know, time off is important as well. And um, it doesn't seem like Bill and I's schedules are matching up very well for these Thursday mornings, but if you look on both of our Facebook pages, we did a class together, a short one impromptu on what to do after the freeze. So you can see we're not mad at each other, not avoiding each other. Um, 
hopefully next week we'll be back here, same place, same time. Good morning, Lee. We were talking about you before um, before the video started. So that shows, you know, when you're a regular, when we're talking about you. But Bill forwarded the email to me about your lychee. And uh, we both, Bernie and I decided we don't know nothing about no lychee. Uh, it's a uh, South Florida... I don't know anything much about any tropical uh, fruits, but uh, I think Bill already answered your question in that you have this, what was it, an Iranos mite? Or your friend has an Iranos mite, and um, that um, it's been a problem off and on, apparently, in Florida. They thought they eradicated it in 1957, then they thought they eradicated it in 1993. It seems like it's making a comeback again in... Um, uh, South Florida, but I believe he sent you uh, the University of Florida link of to share with your friend of what kind of chemicals, I guess, to use if, if your lychee has mites. So, uh, BB is talking about chloroanophil. Maybe that is uh, a brand name? There we go. Is that the brand name? That, no, that's, that's the, the chemical. chemical. Okay. Chlorophyllanil. Chlorophyllanil. Okay. Uh, PJ has a question here. After the freeze, uncovering everything, and now I have fungus among us up the wall. He has a lot of fungus. <laughs> she, I'm sorry, she has a lot of fungus. Um, what to do now? Well, PJ, I don't remember exactly where you live. Um, I always tell people to uncover their plants. I'm thinking you live in Pinellas County, but I could be wrong about that. Um, uncover your plants as soon as possible. As soon, I mean, they're probably okay in the 40s. You know, um, Marion, oh, well, I was off by four or five counties. So you're, <laughs> you were further up north, you probably got um, zapped pretty well. How long did you have the covers on? That That's kind of the question. Because and what kind of, of plants? So this is going to answer is going to depend on what kind of plants. So when, and Lee said, yeah, and Lee said yes. Dr. Lester sufficiently um, answered her questions. Um, yeah, if PJ can answer us, what type of plants? Also, what type of covering? You know, if you use plastic, um, off and on with temps under forty. Okay, what type of plants were you covering? If I remember right, you are already in a um, kind of in a microclimate with a lot of trees. So um, I might not have gotten as cold there. And shade also could have been an issue with, with the fungus, especially after you covered it. Sheets and hospital blankets good with straw around them. I'm sure the straw is yucky because... <laughs> um, but that's just part of the decomposition um, phase. You can take the straw and throw it in your compost bin. Um, let us know what kind, what plants you covered up, and then I think Bernie will be able to assist you better in answering that. You know, was it hibiscus? You know, you know what was it? I know I have some burnt hibiscus that looks pretty dead. Um, and uh, my fire bush, of course, is, it looks like it's someone's at it on fire. Um, they'll come back. They'll come back. Well, 
I know the firebush will, the hibis guy, <laughs> we're kind of new. So we'll see, but they usually do come back. And we talked about this the last time we were together. And then Bill and I also did that, you know, go to, it's also on Hernando County government YouTube or go to my Facebook page or Hernando extensions, Facebook page. It's a quick class. It's not an hour long or anything where Bill and I talk about what to do after the freeze. And a lot of the advice we give you, even though people don't like this, and I know it's hard. It was hard for me this weekend to follow my own advice about not cutting back <laughs> the old, you know, dead stuff. And I haven't on most of my plants, but I think it also it, you make a judgment call because we could have another freeze. Like PJ, you can certainly have another freeze maybe through April 15th. Um, we're not really safe up here till probably April 3rd, April 5th, somewhere in there, be as warm as it may be. Um, you know how Florida is. You don't like the weather. Wait five minutes. So today it's going to get in the 80s, isn't it? But that doesn't mean in another week or two, we won't have some other deep freezes. We're not clear of those till the beginning of April. PJ, you may not be clear of those till mid-April there up in Ocala. So what we say is um, when you prune, that encourages new growth, which is more susceptible to another freeze. And another thing that the old dead stuff does is protect the new growth that's naturally going to try to come, even if you didn't force it. That also, you got to look at the type of plant that you have. Um, I was looking at some sages. Well, you know, when it's dead up here, that's really on a stick. That's really not going to do anything for the new growth that's going to come from the bottom. That's correct. So I went ahead and kind of cut those, and I just laid them on top of the ground. <laughs> we'll protect you this way. <laughs> and my neighbors don't have to see, uh, you know, stalks. But there are other, I have this, um, I got it from the Master Gardener Nursery, that purple, it's like millet, tall, grassy type of, and they're dead. And I'm going to let them stand like that, you know, yeah. until beginning of April. Yeah, the, the plants with, with green fleshy stems uh, holding a lot of moisture tend to rot extremely quick, like within a couple of days after the frost damage. They, they, they have a, a yellowish and that's what pj color. has she has a croton okay yeah that's what she mentions heirloom and one of kinds in this collections crotons are very very frost or cold sensitive yeah probably the the the, the best bet is going to be if uh, cut them back i mean it's i hate to tell you that because you know we we would normally wait longer but but in that situation the 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 ones when that have turned yellow and they're goopy yes get rid of them that that and uh, if if they're goopy to the ground uh you've got 50 50 shot they'll come back go ahead and clean them down to the ground get rid of the plants because they're, they're they'll just smell worse they have to dry out almost completely before they they become Fit to be around so and saying pj is from fort lauderdale so moving to the ocala area or uh marion county has been a shock florida is a big state if you think about from top to bottom if you picked up florida and then put it like a georgia 
you could probably get like at least up to Virginia, mm -hmm. you know? So you realize Georgia to Virginia is a huge difference. So think of Florida that way, Fort Lauderdale to Marion County is like the gateway to North Florida, as far as I'm concerned, or the gateway to Central Florida, depending which way you're going. It's a big difference. It's, it's farther from, from the south tip of Florida to the state line than it is across Georgia from Georgia north south. So that, yeah. that means that you've gone from the mountainous area of Tennessee to North Florida in the same kind of distance you're, you're traveling mm -hmm. in Florida. So yeah. it's a very big change. And, and the, the microclimates are so varied here that, you know, we're 9A, but we aren't really 9A for most of the county. The part of the county that uh, is near the coast, uh, they can, they're, they're a good 10 degrees warmer. Mm -hmm. if, if you go 30 miles south of here, there's a, a 10 degree change. But my friend in Newport, Richie, you know how many times I hear that? Because they, they talking about the tropical plants that their friend in Newport, Richie has. Newport, Richie is a little bit further south and it's on the coast. That's and that's it. a big difference from like if you live in Ridge Manor <laughs> and have a friend in uh, Newport, Richie. I moved just a short distance, 12 miles, um, like 15 years ago. Can you believe it's been that long? I moved from interior Hernando County, right, in the city of Brooksville to what we call the Royal Highlands, Wikiwachi, um, 12 miles west and about a mile east of 19. Huge difference, just that 12 miles from an oak hammock to a um, sand hill type terrain well the, the town of mazaric town here in, in our area uh, was settled by czechoslovakians that came here with the original intent of growing oranges and if they had been five miles away they could have grown oranges but the area they're in uh, is just enough colder than the rest of the county that uh, they Didn't couldn't couldn't get oranges to uh, survive and and it's very difficult to explain that to somebody but uh this, this state has trees that when when you go out in the woods you you'll find places where uh, there's a very slight elevation change maybe only a foot and it will change the tree population entirely because the the trees that grow at the bottom of the hill won't grow a foot higher and uh, yeah and we run into that all the time. Uh, the uh, Chinsigat Nature Center here has has two different kinds of pine trees, totally separated by just a foot. Right, right. So, and I was um, we had a outdoor rain barrel and compost bin workshop at um, Fickett Hammock Preserve, mm -hmm. which is up near me, um, up to, on Centralia. And somebody else mentioned, uh, Crystal, the master gardener, mentioned the same thing that I notice every single time. You are coming, say you're driving east on Centralia, you can see where suddenly you turn from sandhill dryness to oak hammock, uh, everything, the trees are bigger, the woods are thicker. It's like, boom, it happens right away. And I always assumed it was actually the town of Centralia that came in, you know, like the Lorax 
and literally, and they did, <laughs> took all the cypress and pines down. It was like a 20 year boom town and left. And I thought that history caused this, but Mike Singer, who is our environmentally sensitive lands specialist, told me, no, no, this is natural. This is, you know, just how the topography changes. Just, you know, right there from sand hills. And, you know, you have a lot of your sand pines and a lot of open areas like we're used to in the Royal Highlands to right about the parkway, a little bit further east, boom, you're in a thick oak forest and much lower and flooding and all of that. And there's a, that you've heard of Dry Creek states in that area and there's a road dry creek road there is literally a dry creek that you know runs through that area naturally too so let's see uh bb says there plumbago looks fried yeah i know <laughs> um plumbago will come back yeah that, that's one that uh, just wait until mid-April, cut away the dead stuff. It, it'll come back. They, they do real well here. PJ says, I'm leaving straw open, but around the plants in case of future snaps. Straw seems to be an issue with moisture. It would be. I would see where it would be. I actually would pick up the straw and throw it in your compost bin. I think probably mulch and even just the coverings. I don't know that the straw did you, you know, much, much good. It could have. But... Uh, Corey mentioned up here that in the 80s, getting in the 80s was garbage. I agree, Corey. It's too early for that. Um, let's see. Corey's in 9A in Pasco. And they, in a cold spot, and they hit 19 twice. Oh, yeah. It happens. And Corey always tells a story about Missaric Town. That cold spot from there extends to his area of Pasco. Okay, let's finish the story of Masaryk Town. <laughs> so they, you know, tried about two years to have citrus, didn't work out. Was that the end of the story? Well, no. They uh, decided to raise chickens. And, and interestingly, they did well enough with the chickens that they were the center of, of egg production for the state of Florida. Oh, the world. And uh, that's what they claim. Well, the chicken capital of the world. I lived there for my teenage years. <laughs> did you see any chickens? Of course I saw chickens. <laughs> yes. They're not there now. That kind of, again, you know, time progresses. Um, the, as he said, yeah, the Czechoslovakians, they came over and then they came from New York and down here to start. You know, they bought the land and we're going to start their own town, named it after... Uh, their president Thomas Masaryk, and um, in the 40s, and really they were, you know, their heyday of chickens lasted until about probably mid nine or 1990 mid 90s. So yeah, I was there during the chicken production time. Then I know if Dr. Lester is listening, he's still laughing <laughs> about that. Um, I worked on the chicken crew a couple of times. We didn't have, I had friends who had um, the nursery. So they would raise a million chickens, it seemed like, until they were layers. And then they would be put in trucks and gone to the actual, more of the chicken farms. So once a year, all of us friends ran over there 
to watch all the new peeps come in. So <laughs> that, was, that was a fun, cool day. And they just, you know, they didn't put them in cages. The peeps just ran all free in their, in their big chicken houses. We only had a few backyard chickens at my house. But that's the story of Masaryk Town. But that it's kind of just more like a suburb of Spring Hill now. Um, will air kill the fungus? No. Nope. Fungus is there. There's a no. fungus among us. You've got to get rid of all the material. With most the on most of the funguses produce fruiting body and then a spore. And the, the spores have the ability to hang around for years. Uh -huh. a, a lot of the funguses, these little spores are, are windblown and, and they find the right conditions and, and they take off and they go again. A lot of times the the plants and the funguses coexist until something happens to tip the balance one way or the other. Uh, a real good example is, is uh, take all root rot fungus. Uh, at least in our county, uh, it's probably 100% in everybody's lawn. I mean, it, it's there. Yeah. And if you have St. Augustine grass, as long as the grass is healthy, it's it's never a problem that the two coexist and, and they're perfectly happy. But if you stress the St. Augustine, the, the fungus takes over. That's odd that you mentioned that. <laughs> this oh. is, oh my, how, how nice that you brought up St. Augustine. <laughs> <laughs> this is, was brought into Bernie this morning. Um, and actually, he asked me what I thought was wrong with it. And I didn't, you know, look that close. I just went, take all root rot because it's so prevalent. This actually doesn't have take all root rot because, so look at, see the roots? I don't know how well, but. All, they, the, all the little hairs are there. Everything that it needs. That that plant is actually very healthy for its the size. The roots are white. They're Un, not black. Unfortunately, those roots are uh, about one fourth or one fifth as long as they should be. Let's uh, measure them <laughs> with this wonderful ruler. This is a uh, uh, special edition Lily Browning design <laughs> ruler, which helps you measure. Um, I don't know if I'm showing you the right way. There we go. Helps you measure how long your grass should be. Do you see that star? That indicates four inches. Let's see where this graph. <laughs> it's not quite. Yeah, barely About one, one and a half. Maybe like one. I, I I would give it a one. Okay. With a few blades molded, an inch and a half. This this blade of grass is really sad. This, this is what happens when the the blades aren't long enough to support the root structure. The root structure is not well. This and root structure that we're looking at, even though it's healthy because it's white, it should be. It should be six to eight inches down long. here. Yeah. yeah, not this. And what did Dr. Lester and I preach to you all the time about? I'm cleaning up the dirt. I'm just <laughs> um, all the time on all of our classes about mowing height. By the way, if, if you can manage to get a to find Lily someplace, she gives these away. So 
This is a freebie <laughs> if, if if you take the time to run her down. That's or you can come here because Bernie has a box full. I, I do have him. a few here, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, don't let him fool you. Yeah, you can, you can get too. one free at the uh, Fernando County Extension. Yes. You um, get a lot of great advice here also mm -hmm. from me. Yes. And Bill. And when you take a uh, rain barrel course, I usually give you a goodie bag and throw in one of those too. It's a great tool, even if you have somebody else mow your lawn and they're like, yeah, 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 four inches, four inches. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Now, why is that so important? Why do we harp on mowing height? Because St. Augustine grass requires four inches of blade to support a healthy root structure. That's the minimum. Anything less than that, you're starving the, the root structure. You do that, and there's these little fungus things sitting around just waiting for it to be stressed so they can attack. So there, there's a, a great lesson. If, if you mow your yard too short, you, you should stay up nights waiting for the fungus, listening, <laughs> seeing if it's attacking your lawn. What if you hear a munching sound, get out there with a hammer and start beating on those little guys. Um, PJ wants to know, is this weather in this area fairly common? Absolutely. This was not shocking. We have winter in Central Florida. We we have had a change in the past ten years. In so when that we people, have our, yeah, so that people have only lived here that this that long don't know we have real winters here. Yeah, the 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 winter has changed. That we we now have frost uh, into April. Mm -hmm. We we never had that before. We it could used, tell you March fifteenth on yeah, the dot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and. Uh, it, it's now running three weeks later for winter, uh, but it's also running later uh, for to start. We we used to get our bad weather would start sometime around Christmas. Mm -hmm. Usually, the week of Christmas would really be a, a seriously bad. That's when all if you look if you look back, a lot of the citrus freezes, you know, devastating citrus freezes were around Christmas week. But yeah. but that is moved. Uh, in, into January and February. February is, is much worse than, than it used to be. And um, and the thing is, though, because Florida weather is so changing all the time, I always say we have a series of three-day winters here in Florida. So, you know, we'll have a cold snap for three days, then it will get warm for undetermined amount of time. Then we'll have another cold snap for three days, but it can get darn cold. You know, 17 is not unheard of. Um, it's not anything to be overly shocked about, really. Um, but you're snug in your beds, but of course your your plants, you know, need to worry about it. When I was just up in Pennsylvania for about a week and a half, every time I go up there in the winter, it's, you know, kind of fascinating to me because I moved to that good old Massart town when I was 11. So there's, you know, a lot of things about up north winter I've forgotten. But I've been in Florida so long and I go up there, I'm like, I can handle this. This is fine. And then three days later, I'm like, isn't this over with yet? I'm done with the cold. <laughs> no, doesn't work that way up there. <laughs> Let's see what other kind of questions we have. What value falling leaves add to the compost pile? Carbon. That's the value it adds to your compost pile. 
compost pile. Now, green leaves are going to add nitrogen. Uh, you know, the frozen leaves or the leaves that are falling out of your uh, live oaks, all that, absolutely carbon. And your compost pile needs both. Um, carbon is the food and nitrogen is the, the energy source. The uh, leaves also add some of the uh, minor metals that you need. Mm. Uh, there's a, a magnesium atom in chlorophyll. So when when the oh, uh, you just like you just know everything. <laughs> so when when you uh, use the, the leaves, you're adding back some of the miners that uh, are difficult. In fact, in in uh, palm trees, the, there's an interesting thing that the palm trees do. They they take all of the movable elements out of the bottom fronds and move it into the new growth. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's why you, you should never cut anything off of a palm tree that's got any green on it because it's it's actually reabsorbing everything. And uh, when it gets done, there's not much left. So uh, palm fronds don't do much good for you in in a compost. Well, they but, can but, if you build a, they can help you build a tent for aeration. Well, okay, <laughs> but but leaves off of uh, an oak tree uh, still have quite a few uh, minerals. They also have tannic acid, which tends to lower the pH of your uh, pile, which will eventually end up in lowering the pH in your soil, which is a good thing. But uh, we're we're a calcium-based, uh, mm -hmm. limestone-based soil here and the ph is a little high and a lot of the plants would do better uh, if it was slightly more acid and, and that's what you end up with when when you're using the leaves plus you got to do something with them you can yeah you can mow them turn them into to powder and leave them on the ground or you can put them in your, your compost pile or you can just don't bag them, them and throw them away right don't bag them and throw them away but you can leave them alone because there's all sorts of pollinators and insects and things making their homes under there too. Uh, Corey said he talked to a very old man from a large landowning family from Pasco who said he didn't like Shady Hills in the Sark Town because it smelled like chicken poop. Well, it did. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly on 41 as you drove past it because that's where the main um, Hernando egg um, was, which is now what is it? It's some kind of a racing Yeah, thing. I just lost the name of it. It's a uh, you know, a recreational venue now. <laughs> Everybody knows it, but I, the uh, Leadfoot City, that's it. <laughs> um, he took over that old Hernando Egg building. And, you know, that if life has nothing, it has change. And in Florida, that change is always on supersonic speed. Everything's always changing here. But yeah, in the 80s, it did smell like poop. That's true. Can't argue with that. But, <laughs> um, Let's see. Monique says she lives in downtown Brooksville and all of her aboracola are fine. And she's a lot of them downtown Brooksville. Yeah, because you got all those um, live oaks, all those, you know, holding the warm air in all the, the tree cover mm -hmm. and the microclimates. And, it, and it's a lot of it. Unless you live at the top of the hill, you've got the airflow 
mm. going. So if you live at the very bottom of the hill, you probably are colder uh, than everybody else. But other than that, uh, it, it's got a nice gentle rise. All the heat just runs slightly uphill. And I, I would say Brooksville's probably uh, five degrees warmer than the airport. It is, for sure. Yeah. And even in the summer, because that that's those trees provide shade, which make you feel cooler. I think it's more psychological because it also holds the humidity <laughs> in, I think, too. Uh, PJ has a good question. What about that straw and her compost? Um, is she going to pass that? fungus on if she tries to use it later no because it's it, not a chemical it's a natural occurring thing that's going to well the, the thing that happens when you compost is that the the, the microbe raise the temperature they and, and because they heat it up they, they tend to get rid of just about everything that uh, i'd put problem. it i'd shove it in like the bottom of your compost or like in the center of the pile put the other stuff on top of it to make sure those microbes just eat that all up and all the fungus and everything. We tell people not to throw in plants that have been chemically treated because those chemicals, herbicides, even um, chemical fungicides or whatever, have a longer shelf life. We mean, you know, it depends on what it is. And chemicals especially because if you, or I mean herbicides especially, like if you decide to put your lawn clippings in there and then you use it on a plant bed and don't know why all your plants died. It could be because that herbicide has such a long life, it actually is still active. But a naturally occurring fungus that occurred because your plants got goopy, like I said, put all that straw in the middle of that compost pile and it should should be heated up and the microbes will do a good job eating it. And you have to remember, most of the microbes that, that uh, killed or that destroyed that plant after it died are not microbes that are killing the plant when it's alive they're sitting there waiting for it to die they're mm. uh they're strictly i can't think of the word i, I want to for uh things that uh, only work on the, the dead decomposers or well they are decomposers but uh, they they just don't uh, affect the live plant. I mean, it, that, that stuff was job. there. That's not it, their job in nature. Yeah, it, it was there all the time. So, Someone bought uh, white hibiscus from the nursery. Will it come back to mm, Hibiscus? Let us know. <laughs> I'll let you know if mine. If I don't have a white one, I have a red, red ones. Um, we'll have to wait and see together. It could. There's so many is it in the ground or in the pot? That's a, yeah, that's a good question. It's in the ground. I would think it would probably come back. If it's in the pot, I would think it wouldn't. Correct. And why is that? Because our ground, we didn't get, you're going to, you know, argue with me, but we didn't get that cold, whereas, or for that many times. Therefore, our ground probably stayed in the 50s. So we don't have permafrost here. Ground doesn't freeze. Um, we can bury people all year long. Um, <laughs> strange way. <laughs> um, our ground is not going to freeze. All those roots were pretty safe in a nice 50 degree balmy environment, even though their leaves and stems got zapped by the cold. So the roots are going to get to work and say, oh, let's grow some more. Probably that's what's going to happen. 
with your hibiscus. If we got down to, you know, in the lower teens or something, that might be a different, might be a different story. Yeah. Um, but it's always a wait and see. It depends on your microclimates, all of that. And as he said, if it was in a pot, it did not have that nice warm protection from the ground. So it could very well be a goner, but don't throw it out. Just wait and see if it starts to come back. Um, it'll, things are already coming back. You know, I see new growth happen right away, but another thing you can do in, you know, if you get tired of waiting <laughs> near the bottom, scrape the stem with your fingernail. If it's green in there, it's going to come back. I had a plumeria that was in a pot and it got killed two years ago. And being the really active person that I am, I uh, never got around to throwing it out. It, it was sitting there and it wasn't hurting anything. And it holds the record for the longest time before a plant came back. Yeah, wow. 17 months <laughs> before it started to grow again. But it did come back. See, there's a lesson, so, a lesson in patience. A lesson in laziness. <laughs> a lesson, you know, there's there's life in there. If if you dig life finds a way. If you dig something up and, and you take your thumbnail and you rub it and it's green underneath, mm -hmm. you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> plant it, so, cover it back so, up and plant so it. So you you really need to wait. If if you think it's gone, I know, didn't say to dig it up, I said near the bottom. Yeah. Near the but, but a lot of plants take four to six months. And, uh, you know, if, if it's a plant, you don't mind being a throwaway, go ahead and dig it up, put something else in. But, you know, if, if it's a nice plant and you like it, give it every possibility. Go ahead and water the spot occasionally. Yeah, treat, it, yeah. treat it like it's a seed and you're wanting it to grow. Mm. So. Yep. Yep. PJ says, yep, from the freezes in South Florida in the 1990. Uh, I think it was 89 that we had the freeze here. Um, lots of, uh, what, 32-year-old people is what she's saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, in 89, I remember we had a pretty cold freeze here. That was one of the devastating citrus freezes here in central Florida. And they actually did rolling um, blackouts to have enough electricity for everybody. And um, I had already done my baby boom, but he was... <laughs> No, that was 1990 because he was about 10 months old. Okay. I and um, yeah, he um, he was already born. So, but I kept calling them saying, I have this baby and you keep turning my electricity off. And they said, well, bundle him up. Yeah, the, the 89 freeze, I, I bought the, the place that we've got because it was an old orange grove. And, and I, thought that would be the greatest thing in the world to have a little house in the orange grove. Uh -huh. And I bought it Beautiful in the, area the summer of 89 and Christmas 89, we had to freeze and it killed all those trees. So uh, my, my beautiful orange grove was gone. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, the, the Claremont, the, we, we had three major freezes in the eighties and, and Claremont, uh, the, the first one was in 81, mm -hmm. and almost everybody replanted. And then it did it again in 83. And 
a lot of people replanted. And they had a, a couple of minor freezes that, that did a lot of damage. And then the the hundred percenter again in, in 89 and so, nobody replanted. Yeah. So, well, they replanted houses. So that that's our story. When I used to go to Disney World, I saw nothing but orange groves. Now, when you go to Disney World, you see nothing but housing developments. The Claremont's still a nice town, but yeah, everything you know, everything there's a season. So, by um, the way, the the season for oranges, we we just had. The worst citrus harvest we've had since World War II. The uh, greening, if, if we can't come up with a solution to it, I was trying to figure out what World War II had to do with it. Workers, I guess. Workers yeah. to work it. I was yeah. like, what did the oranges don't go to war? Well, we, did, we didn't <laughs> have the acreage then either. You know, that in I came to Florida in 58, and my uncle was building a housing addition in Orlando. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a, a canal from Orlando over to the coast that one of the contractors had put in. And, park, and, kind of. Yeah, yeah. And, and they they charged everybody to pump their water into this canal. So they, they pumped the area they were going to build in for two years to get it dry enough. And, and um, they eventually put a couple thousand houses in. And, uh, the houses were eight thousand dollars and nine thousand dollars with pool, so and that tells you how long ago yes, that, yes. that was. Orlando was fifty thousand. There were little people. houses, and people were happy with their two-bedroom, one-bath houses with the pools and um, the flamingo. No, the yeah, the flamingo screen doors and the terrazzo floors. Yeah, terrazzo <laughs> yes. floors. Yes. Ah, uh, Vivi has a very good question here we need to address. How do you correct a lawn that's being mowed for had been mowed four inches all its life, but is now 1.5 of stolons and 2.5 of grass on top? Just let it grow. No. No? No, there's, that's a problem. Oh, the stolons the are the The stolons are the problem. Okay, yeah, that's... Um, that, that requires verticutting. Uh, and that is that's how you get thatch if anyone wonders that, that's what thatch is those all those little stones but they, there's a machine it's like a lawnmower that the blades are turned vertical instead of horizontal and it goes through and it chops all the stones up it's it's tremendously damaging to the lawn when when they get done you almost want to cry because it looks so bad but um yeah when you write the check but you, you have to, to do that if you if, if you don't get rid of the stolen. So the, the, is there any way a homeowner can do it, or does it have to be? Yeah, you can do it. You can go rent the, okay. the machine. The problem is uh, an average little lawn, you know, like a, a, a 50 square foot lawn is about three dump trucks and all of that stuff. Wow. It, it, it just keeps coming and coming and coming. So it's worth, it's it's worth hiring like someone because you got to take that junk away. Yeah, hauling it off is a big problem. Mm. It, it's it's not the, the verticut, but um, it, it, that's how you rejuvenate the lawn, and and it's a start over. And generally, the the reason for that is the lawn was over fertilized. Um, that 
tends to cause the stolons to, to just go berserk. Um, a St. Augustine lawn runs about 18 inches uh, in a season, in a year. And if, if you fertilize it heavy, the stolons get really big and, and eventually there, there's so many of them that uh, you, you start developing problems, uh, diseases and, and everything else. It feels spongy. The, the lawn is no longer healthy. And, and the trick is to, to minimally fertilize uh, to, to keep uh, the stolons down, keep the, the blade from growing as fast. What, what would happen if you just totally ignored that or like it was a house that was abandoned or something? What would eventually happen there? If, if it was just totally abandoned mm -hmm. in about 10 to 15 years, it would need to be verticut. But the, the, the lawn would probably be happy. The, the St. Augustine would, would get very, very long. The, the blades would, like, would it, it would have root structure like you can't imagine. Mm -hmm. it, it would it would be a very happy situation. Uh, unfortunately, well, I mean, if you did not verticut it, if if you don't verticut it, yeah, uh, it'll strangle itself out. It, yeah, it eventually. Uh, well, it starts developing diseases. The thing about yeah, it is, yeah. the, you're you're building a layer mm -hmm. that nothing really wants to grow in. And so, the, yeah, water so, so the, the, the root structure is going from the stolons down. So now we have root structure that's exposed. So, yeah, okay. Um, um, Kelly wants to know what do you recommend I use to cover my plants that are cold intolerant? She purchased some blankets from Home Depot. And they did not work. I'm not sure what blankets are. It sounds like plastic blankets, and any covering with plastic is never a good idea. Well, the, the, if you use plastic, you need a framework so that the plastic right, so can't the, touch anything. Right, right, right. But uh, yeah, the idea is is to build a tent, and and you want to cover as much area under the plant as you can. It, it's the heat from coming up from the ground that's going to protect the plant. So the blanket isn't protecting it. It's the, not yeah, the, the, it's not a mammal. Like I have this sweater on to hold in my own heat that I produce. Plants do not produce any heat. We talked about a little bit ago the roots in the ground were okay. Why? Because that ground's going to stay around 48, 50 degrees. So what you're trying to do with a blanket is tent in that radiant heat from mm -hmm. the ground. Yes. Yeah. If you could just put a pole to hold it up and, and put a, a big plastic thing out away from the plant where it never touched, put some bricks or something yeah, around yeah. To, to hold it and, and make it a TP type. Right. Thing. Like a greenhouse. Yeah. You make a little and, and anything that, that gives you the this ground area providing the heat and retains the heat so so you know, most cloth things uh, work well because uh, if they touch the plant uh, they don't conduct the cold and, and damage the plant where they touch it like plastic wood but sometimes when you have high humidity and, and cold the the every place it touches mm. the plant's got dew on it 
and and the, the, it burns there because the dew moistens the, the sure. cloth and the cloth conducts just so like plastic. So the ideal does. is that you create a tent that never touches the front. That's correct. But sometimes that's not possible, and if it has to touch, then use cloth. That's also not, correct. Maybe a sheet may have been you know better than anything containing plastic. Old sheet. Uh, somebody, I think PJ was using hospital blankets. Things. But like the that. other thing you have to remember is that what's going to happen is the temperature is probably going to go down to about 40 degrees inside that tent uh, when we're just at freezing. So you're not you're not saving a, a tremendous amount if you've got plants uh, like, that are, like, that, like pj's cardboard palms see she brought those probably from fort lauderdale and i don't know if they yeah well see cardboard palms here are are barely good at 35 degrees they, right, they right, start yes. getting damaged before we get frost and she's in marion so yeah yeah so she's got plants that's that's another thing always buy the plants from the area that you came from if 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 you live in marion county buy your plants from somebody that grew them in marion county well she might be actually saying she used cardboard yeah. <laughs> maybe reading it wrong she used cardboard to cover plants oh. um cardboard that's a boxes, great idea cardboard <laughs> boxes work great yeah especially if you have one big enough to not touch your plant you know that that actually is a very good idea sorry i misread that i was thinking cardboard <laughs> palms we talked about mm -hmm. two different things yes cardboard it, as long as you put something on it that it doesn't blow away um okay the what, what was the question but what kind of plant was that it's in the ground her hibiscus so it should be okay yeah we'll see it'll it probably back. come back yep oh pj stressed about her stress plans <laughs> She's an experienced gardener, but feel totally stupid here. Well, we, as we reminded you, you're in a different world. And you know what? Marion County has a fantastic extension office. Um, it's over on Jacksonville Road, I think, by the fairgrounds. Mm -hmm. Stop by there um, sometime. And um, they're probably going to be having their spring fling in the park pretty soon. There should be master gardeners there to talk to. And they'll really, you know, guide you in they're more experienced in how to grow in Marion County than we are. What I love about that thing is they sell all those plants up there and they sell things that if you put them in the ground in Marion County, they're not going to live at all. I mean, you, I, you well, can go to the master gardeners then specifically <laughs> their tent. Not, not yeah, their... <laughs> it's a neat place. If, if you want to buy plants that, that you have to baby. I, I did that for a long time. I, I bought plants and and uh, I kept them in pots. And when it was going to be cold, I put the pots inside. Well, it got to the point where that just became too much to do. I had yeah. oh, I'm, I'm 30 very pots. Much, I'm a tough love situation. Up yeah, there well, now I've got one plant I, I put in and that's it. Yeah. All, all the rest of them. I brought in a night-looking serious that somebody gave me. And it's still on my kitchen table because I just like I'm not going to keep taking you back and Those forth. Are free. That's yeah, that's we're going to wait until it's not going to freeze. Um, we're I only got a few minutes left. We've got a real good talkative group today. Um, oh yeah, those covers were plastic. So only use plastic if you have built up a frame system that's not going to touch the plants. Plastic touching the plants can you know just takes the 
<laughs> freeze right into the rest of your plant. Um, Monique says her lawn seems to be as healthy and no longer seems to be as healthy and have the worms it used to. She never uses chemicals with the exception of synthetic turf fertilizer. What's going on and how do I build back the soil? <laughs> I, you know, we need a whole bunch of information. Yeah, that. yeah. There, there's uh, what kind of grass is it? And uh, how high is it mowed? Uh, how often is it fertilized? Well, you know what I'll do? Let me give you. After we're done, call this phone number here um, that I am putting in the chat. 352-754-4433. Ask Teresa to talk to Bernie. <laughs> Say I want to talk to Bernie, and um, he can find out all those details from you as well. Buddy used hot hand heater pockets, and he's in Tallahassee. That works great. That that's a really smart move, and, and I've heard of people doing that. And and that is that's a brilliant idea. It works great. Oh, I Good job, yes. And Diana, we haven't heard from her in a while. Um, she's Master Gardener. She used dried bamboo stakes to make a teepee and then old fitted sheets over it. Fitted sheets are a great idea. They already help you, you know, and protected um, her two in the ground fumarias. It's a great idea. There's all kind of creative ways. Plumeria is a plant that really rots in a hurry. It does, yes. If, if it gets frosted. Um, Kelly's saying in her community, they have lots of Thai plants and they all look seriously damaged. I'm sure they were. Should we replace them or wait, um, wait to cut them back? It depends, you know, are you talking about in a public area? I would say wait, but maybe, you know, if it's in a public area, on, you know, the community on, might not want to wait. But on Thai plants, it'll take about four weeks and they'll know whether they're... Yeah. Thai plants really should have been in pots and brought in. <laughs> I'm sorry. They're, but they're, they're kind of good. I mean, it's... Uh, they'll tolerate right down to uh, 32 degrees hot as opposed to 32 degrees cold. So... <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> there, there's a mammoth difference. Well, the, the, the thing about it is, as you cool water down, when it hits 32 degrees, uh, I don't remember the exact number of calories, but it... Oh, the calories it, it puts it, out it takes, in that change? It, it, you, it gives off a calorie for every degree it comes, drops down, one, mm. one cc mm -hmm. of, of water, one milliliter. Mm -hmm. Well, when it gets to 32 degrees, to go from 32 degrees hot to 32 degrees cold, it gives off like 50 calories instead of just one. Okay. And it didn't even change temperature. The temperature stayed the same, but it gave up that much. Which and is then, why those igloos of ice that the strawberry farmers use. Work. That's exactly the point. Yeah, but that is not recommended for the homeowner. We are almost running out of time, but uh, you were talking to me about your greenhouse woes. PJ brought up that she's getting a greenhouse. She's making a greenhouse and going to um, get pots for her special tropical plant babies. 
I went to um, the College of Central Florida, PJ, and I had took um, you know horticultural classes up there. You remind me so much of the professor because he pushed those zone limits up there as well. So tell us about what you know. Well, it's, the it's, greenhouses, and then we'll have to go. It, it, it's kind of awkward to talk about this particular greenhouse without mentioning a company name, but there's a, there's a company that sells tools that has a greenhouse that's very popular. The, the greenhouse has some serious, serious problems. Uh, when, you, when you construct it, uh, the first little breeze that comes along blows it apart. Now, there, there are some uh, things online on how to, to put it together and stop it from blowing apart. But the important thing is, after you do the, the put all the little screws in that it takes to hold it together, that if it's sitting out in an exposed area, it's still going to blow apart. The, the plastic oh, sections wow. uh, disintegrate. The, the company does not sell replacement parts. The only way you can get new plastic is to buy another greenhouse, hmm. which I did. I, I, the first, first job I did, it, it lasted about two weeks and it blew out the, the panels. Uh, I put screws in all the panels and it lasted about three years. And then the sunlight destroyed the panels. So I, I bought a second set of panels and uh, we had a big wind go through and it, it wasn't rebuilt for two weeks and, and it tore up my new panel. So. Uh, if, if you buy one of these greenhouses, the, the kits are relatively inexpensive. They're about $600. It's a beautiful looking thing. It needs to be protected. If you can put it uh, behind a garage or uh, something like that, where it isn't direct wind, that's fine. But, uh, you know, why spend that much money for something that isn't going to stay together? So. And here's information. I just figured out how to do this fancy banner like Dr. Lester does. So um, if you have questions, um, especially if you're here in Hernando County, um, keep Bernie busy the rest of the day. He's here till three o'clock. <laughs> Give him a call 352-754-4433. Here is my email, lillyb at hernandocounty.us. Um, where did Bill's go? I just saw his. Go to one of Lily's programs, get a free ruler. I mean, that's, <laughs> can't, can't make a deal any better than that. Well, I put Bill's uh, email in the chat too. So email him first before me. No, <laughs> wlester <laughs> at ufl.edu. We've gone a little bit over time. Thank you very much, PJ. Thank you, um, everyone. Um, thank you. Basam, I think I didn't get a question if able to answer one of yours. Um, but we'll, we'll, you'll either have to um, come back next week and ask again or, or email um, one of us, and we'll be glad to help you. And uh, Dr. Lester should be done pruning his plums by next week playing in his vegetable garden, and we should be back together again. Thank you, everybody, and have a great day. And Corey, don't get too hot out there. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye.